Welcome to Space Floor and Bay Podcast. My name is Connor Geelan. And I'm Connor Flannery. This is our 31st official episode. Today we're talking about Magic Johnson, David Yeager, and making some predictions for the first round of the NBA playoffs. Um, so with the, with the recent news of Magic Johnson quitting from his position as president of basketball operations for the Los Angeles Lakers, uh, I think we're going to sort of go into why he did that and what does that mean for the Lakers, especially because... They they kind of need a lot of help for LeBron after this atrocious season that they've had thus yeah. far, and we see that it's just it's going to be a whole different team next year, given the fact that Luke Walton got fired and Magic Johnson's not going to be there. So it's also going to be a new mind to like that is handling the decisions to really uh, construct this team again. And first of all, we don't know who that's going to be. Second of all, we don't know who the coach is going to be. And the third, we don't know who's get, who they're going to sign this offseason. So mm-hmm. anything that – it's just going to be totally different this season, which is pretty crazy. But mm-hmm. I wanted to go in. Do you kind of respect this decision by Magic Johnson, or was it kind of weak? I, I do respect Magic Johnson's decision to quit just because his reasoning that he wants to have fun again actually makes a lot of sense to me. Considering that they that the AD – the Anthony Davis trade sort of fell through, that they missed the playoffs, that now, now that D'Angelo Russell is having a fantastic season, and so so is Julius Randle, and now I guess sort of all this attention is being placed on Magic Johnson as like, did he miss, mess up the Lakers? You know, did he make a mistake here or there? And like, how good of a job did he do? I know we criticized in our last episode that like, he didn't do a fantastic job getting help for LeBron, and maybe that justifies LeBron missing the playoffs to some extent. Um, but because of that, like, because so much criticism is being placed on Magic Johnson, I kind of understand the idea that, like, he's an NBA great, he's proven enough, he's contributed enough to the league that, like, he's done enough that he just wants to retire and just step out of basketball. That kind of makes sense to me. But then why did he take the job in the first place? It just, I like, I also understand mm-hmm. the reasoning, but Cause it, it's, it doesn't really sit well for me, given the fact that he just came out and said it without talking to Jeannie Buss, who's that's, like the, that's the head up. of the Lakers. Yeah, I really, and it really doesn't seem like Magic Johnson at all, because from, sorry, from everything that I've heard about him, I, I remember I, I was talking to Edward LeBlanc, who's like one of like the premier like basketball minds for like youth development and stuff like for basketball in the United States, uh, from Point Guard College, and he said that. Like he he met Magic Johnson and he kind of like heard his entire life story and he's just a winner and he just is good at everything that he does and everyone around him loves him and he seems to really like everyone around him. You see that if you spend five minutes with Magic Johnson, you leave that conversation wanting to run through a brick wall for him and being willing to do that yeah. and not because it's Magic Johnson. Not because, because of the person he it's, is. It's because of the person he is. I understand that, but I also don't think that that means like that he can't quit. I I do agree with you on the part that that like what's her name, Jeannie Bus. Yeah. That Jeannie Bus, like he should have informed her before making that decision, or, or he was so scared to do it that he just like went and talked to the media instead, and sort of turned into a joke almost. Like I don't think that was the best way to handle it, but the reasoning of like he wants to go live his life outside of basketball because being the Lakers, you know president of basketball operations has been so stressful recently and that there's so much media attention on him i mean but what did he because, expect well one because he's magic johnson and two because it's the los angeles lakers like there's gonna be no matter what the move is it's got the attention's on him not luke walton or rob palenka or you know like it's just centered it's everything is centered on magic johnson if LeBron, he should have known that going into the job and i think it's kind of just immature yes, for him to take that and but, just quit but he also didn't know they were going to get lebron going to the job he didn't know this is not going to happen mm-hmm. 
They didn't. He didn't know for sure. Okay. He didn't know for sure, but he said. When did he? It, when did he, he sign on to the he, job? He said. He said if I didn't get LeBron James and like another free agent or something, I would quit it within two years. Yeah. Which, be he did. So he was pretty confident in that. And then when he got that, and then he just like, honestly, I just want to get this on my chest. Like we talked about this, but Magic Johnson was not good at his job. He, he wasn't. I'm he, not sure. I'm he got completely Le- ready to say that. He got LeBron James, but. If you talk about the things that he did, he signed Michael Beasley, and he signed yeah. Lance Stevenson, and he could have used that money to bring back bring back Brooke Lopez, who was a key role player for the best team in the league. I'm not I'm not sure I'm ready to say like okay, Magic Johnson wasn't good at his job, but very clearly some somebody in the in the Lakers front office made some questionable decisions in signing a lot of big personalities that did not fit well together this season. That's Magic Johnson's not, job. But we didn't. We don't know that's just Magic Johnson. Is my point. But like, yeah. yes, Magic Johnson in the Lakers front office as a whole, like, did not do a good job outside of signing LeBron James at building up this team. Like, I understand why they signed Rondo, but yeah. Like, but like, I, I, other than that, like, their off season was kind of disastrous, and everyone made fun mm. of them. But like, in my mind, I always thought it would just kind of work out. To where like Le- got LeBron on the team, yeah, yeah. W- that LeBron would do his thing, and then they would like make a move, and just like get someone, get Anthony Davis, get just get someone at, at the deadline to kind of just make things sort of better, and they just didn't really do that, and they passed on Anthony Davis, which personally I was originally fine I with. Don't, I don't know if they did. I think that, I feel like they kind of went all out for Anthony Davis and got okay. rejected. Okay, but still, like on paper, they didn't get Anthony Davis. Yeah, yeah. Personally, I think. Like I'm at the time, I was okay with that. But going back, I feel like he just didn't do much. And yeah, like that just it doesn't really sit well with me. And I also think that I also think for, from Magic Johnson's perspective, going into the this off season, I think he sort of recognized. Um, ESPN is talking talking about it a lot, but like I don't think that any of the top free agents really have LA circled as their number one destination at least the lakers like maybe the clippers is different but like Kawhi, kevin durant clay thompson kyrie irving i don't think any of them are thinking like i'm gonna go to the lakers and team with lebron i think like maybe that's like a second or third option if their first few options don't fall through even for guys like like maybe they can get a demarcus cousins this offseason but i don't think anybody is really thinking like heading into this offseason that they're gonna team up with lebron james like that's their goal like maybe it's a possibility but i don't think anybody is like very set on that and so i think like magic johnson might just kind of want out before another failure of an offseason happens and, so an, and even more blame and more pressure is put on him that's an interesting opinion i don't i don't know about that i just i do buy into just the, an idea I, I do buy into the whole this sucks let me go back to being a millionaire billionaire doing whatever i want uh sitting courtside at other people's games mm-hmm. being able to go on twitter which is a weird thing that he mentioned <laughs> um I I under I buy that argument. I do think that that's what he thought, but it just it doesn't seem too respectable if when you given the fact that he kind of just like messed up the Lakers a little bit. He he like did his thing. It didn't really work, and he just dipped. Like he he just didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, to what to what extent? Like I know you talked about, and I still disagree with you on this. But you talked about Kevin Durant coming to the Knicks on last episode, last episode and saying that that might actually mess up their rebuild and like mess up their whole process moving forward in their future. Do you think that signing LeBron messed up the Lakers rebuild? Do you wish, do you think that doing that, maybe even doing that was a mistake? Like did, was that a mis- the first make, mistake that Magic Johnson made? If I'm the Lakers, I, I sign LeBron James, 
But if mm-hmm. I'm LeBron James, I don't go to Lakers. And just like the move as a whole just kind of sat poorly with me as well when it, when he made it because one it didn't seem like a winning move and as far as i've followed basketball for the past eight years lebron has been in the finals however also just i think it did mess up their young core to where it, it just put so much pressure and like they were they were in trade rumors and all of that and while i think if you're the lakers you you do that because it made your team better and also, your young core probably didn't have a top 10 player in it. Like, I don't think Lonzo Ball or Brandon Ingram will probably will be, ever top, be a top 10 player in the probably, NBA. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. I, I, I think that's very, you can say that very comfortably. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I kind of understand what you're, what you're saying coming from that, but I also don't think it's fair to say in any situation that, like, signing a superstar as good as Kevin Durant or LeBron James is messes up a young core. Because even though it might throw off your timeline or it might mess up, that's, that's you know, messing up your young core. It, it might throw off, it might throw off your timeline and like sort of stunt some of their development. That's also messing up Very, your young core. Yes, yeah, yes. <laughs> I'm saying like that messes it up a little bit, but you are just praying, hoping that any one of those when you build a young core, it is based on the hope that any one of those guys will become anywhere close to as good as LeBron James or Kevin Durant is right now. And so signing that guy, even if he doesn't fit with the rest of your team perfectly in terms of age, you, LeBron James, Brandon Ingram, like you're taking them with the second overall pick with some just like, you know, stretch of a de- of a hope, hope or desire that they become a top five player in the NBA, which but, LeBron but that, James and Kevin both said, are. But that being said, if you bring in LeBron and you have no help with him, one, you're not going to get too far. Two, it just it messes up your timeline to where if you're not going to be that good now. Yeah. And you're messing up being good for later. I always, in my mind, like maybe it's being a Knicks fan or maybe it's being an NBA fan that has the Warriors here. I kind of say, hey, we're not going to beat the Warriors, so we might as well be good in five years as as opposed to now. Yeah, that's I mean, kind that's of a little bit of a cynical view, but it kind of makes sense. Yeah, like like with the Warriors in the league right now, like it's going to be very hard for any yeah. one team to take them down. But I don't think that's enough to really say like. It's, I, don't, I don't think it's always necessarily NBA championship or bust. Like, making the conference yeah. finals or making the finals itself is still pretty damn good. Yeah, and they'll, the they'll Lakers, still sell tickets, you know? Yeah, yeah, but the Lakers didn't do that. So That's that's true. And I think that part of the reason that Maddie Johnson quit is, like, he signed LeBron, which I don't think was a mistake. I don't either. You sign, you sign, if you have the opportunity to sign the best player in the world, you do it. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that, I don't think that the Lakers general or general managers or front office or presidents of basketball, whatever it is, I don't think they did the best job of managing their timeline after signing LeBron James. Like, I don't think they picked, they, they did a very good job of just picking a direction of like, we're going to commit to winning right now, or we're going to commit to winning in three years. But that's what I'm they saying. They sort of didn't with, find with, a balance with, of like, yeah, I agree. But with, with finding, with getting a star like LeBron James, I think if you do do what Connor Flannery is saying and you do pick now or three years, three years, it's going to be hard because you have LeBron James on your roster. And right now that almost implies that almost requires you trading your young core yes so that's what i'm saying that's, signing a super- that's what i mean yeah so no so signing a superstar messes up your young core of course you'll, yeah, you'll get I mean, a return but that's it messes up it messes up your young core and that like the then it all of a sudden the young core isn't what you're trying to have as the center of your roster that's not what you're building around you're building around this that one superstar now but the thing is I don't think I think you could then send that young core off, package that for a guy like Anthony Davis, and then I don't think that's necessarily messing up your young core. It's just like capitalizing on the young core that you've built and like exchanging it for a more like in the moment kind of move. Which I mean, 
teams like the Brooklyn Nets messed up in like trading for Kevin Garnett or sorry, yeah, Ke- like Kevin, Kevin Garnett, Garnett, Paul, Paul Pierce, Pierce Ray, no, not Ray, not Allen. Ray Allen. Well, I don't know what I'm. Jason Terry. Yeah, um, but so I so like I think there are some there are some risk of that, but like that was also like that was sort of the worst possible ending of that trade, and like they of traded for like thirty four year old Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett, so. And it's a particularly bad example. There's always that risk, but I do think that, like, especially because Anthony Davis is, like, 25. So, yeah, I don't know. Last thing I want to talk about Magic Johnson is, well, I personally said that this really doesn't feel like Magic Johnson because he's just, he's just historically good at everything he does, and everyone just loves him, and he seems to be a mm-hmm. great people person, which is part of being a general manager. Um, I found this post on NBA Chop Shop on Instagram, and he talks about, how Magic Johnson quitting is actually consistent with what he usually does. He says, Magic took over as the Lakers coach late in the 1994 season, and they went 5-11, and and he quit. His talk show, The Magic Hour, was canceled eight weeks after its premiere in 1998. Magic, Magic quit the NBA Countdown crew three weeks before the season started in 2013. And finally... He just abruptly stepped down as the Lakers president of basketball operation without any notice. So, yeah. def- I didn't know any of those. Yeah, but I mean, it's interesting. Shout out NBA Chop Shop. He's a really cool dude. Um, yeah, but I think, I think we'll we'll get to see Magic Johnson in a more full light as the years go on and as this Laker team kind of progresses. Yeah, I wish all the best for Magic Johnson and the Lakers front office and players. Um, but yeah. Let's move on and talk about David Yeager, the coach of the former coach of the Kings, who was just fired earlier this week. <laughs> and I think that so stupid. Yeah, we were both sort of talking about it before the episode. The Kings are still horrible at being a NBA team, like even worse than the Knicks, arguably. Is there who's there? Is Vlade Divac still yeah. there? Like, yeah. yeah, and their owner, I forget. He's that. He's kind of a crazy dude. Yeah, uh, who said that Buddy Hield was Steph Curry, but. <laughs> He, I mean, that's a that's a move I that mean, they hit. Like the, it, what that made, has been closer to truth than anyone yeah, else expected. Yeah. What, what made me so like upset about this is because the Kings have been so f- yeah, good yeah, at being. Yeah, yeah. They've been making such good decisions. Like literally since they traded Demarcus Cousins, everything has been great. Like yeah. they drafted De'Aaron Fox, who looks like he's going to be a hit. You traded Demarcus Cousins, who wanted out for Buddy Heald. That was a very good return. You have Bogdanovich, mm-hmm. who's a young player who's shows some promise. Willie Cauley Stein. He might be a part of your your long term future. Not a bad, yeah. Not not the best get, but like he he's a pretty Solid. decent player. You got the number two overall pick in Marvin Bagley, who may be really good. Who knows? Yeah, and it's just it, it was working. And I mean, everything is looking very good. And this team, I think, even more importantly, this team exceeded expectations totally. this by a long People shot. People had them in their power rankings in the bottom what like six of the league. Bottom, Some, yeah, bottom very low, very league. low. Like them, maybe the, lower. Yeah, them and the Clippers just exceeded all expectations the most out of any NBA team in the league. I would I'm pretty say. sure that the Kings finished as like the nine seed in the West. Yeah, they so did. like this and, team and was really was, they would have like, made really, the playoffs in the East. Yeah, they would have been like the seven seed in so, the East. So to take a team that hasn't been good in years, that's looking very promising, a coach that clearly has done a good job helping to develop these Recent, guys recently. recently. Yeah, recently. It does make a lot of sense that, like, now you would decide to fire David Yeager. Yeah. Also, I think that his style is just very good for the modern NBA. I'm pretty sure Kings mm-hmm. were top five in 
I think maybe top three in pace in the NBA. Yeah, their transition offense is so good. It's crazy. Well, with with De'Aaron Fox. De'Aaron Fox going, going coast to coast. You've got, um, and then Buddy Heel, just a sniper. And the, the two of them just work so well together, especially in transition. Yeah. And Willie Cauley-Stein is, oh, looks very, very good, good as a rim runner yeah. in transition as well. And he like I'm pretty sure they shot a lot of threes too. Even without being like an insanely good three point shooting team, they shot a lot of threes. They ran in transition, and that's kind of what the NBA is about right now. Uh-huh. And teams like the Kings and the Nets capitalize on that. Even if they don't have the best talent in the league, they capitalize on that. And we look at Kenny Atkinson as probably a top ten coach in the league. And then we see. Dave Yeager getting fired by the Kings, and that just makes me really upset because I don't know why, but I have this like soft spot as a Knicks fan for Kings fans um, because yeah. <laughs> they, they they suffer a lot too. And I, like I don't, I'm not gonna sit up here and act, and act like he's a top five coach in the league, but he's I would put him as a, at least a good one, just for sure above average. And I. Even beyond just like how good of a coach he is, we don't really know what's going on yeah. in the you know in the Kings locker room or whatever. But just like when they're out there on the court, they just whatever system they had going on was clearly working for their players very very well. Yeah, the, the and system I just, is the biggest thing. I don't really understand why after what what is a very successful season by the Kings' expectations and standards you would fire their coach because he was sort of the like while obviously there's internal development like their coach was at the head of that whole system and success this is my theory i think that the only kind of star or just kind of like thing you could say against david yeager as a coach this season from the king's management management's perspective is he did not play marvin bagley that much and as a front office it looks bad to your fans if if the guy you drafted top five is just not really having an impact we see that the same problem happened this year in orlando with mo bamba Mm -hmm. and i think that maybe my only theory is that the that the king's front office was just like hey why aren't you playing our young guy and he's like no we're gonna go make the playoffs i'm gonna go play that guy like bajinka by elite i don't know like yeah yeah you know what i'm talking about Yeah, yeah him um and we're, no, we're gonna go play that guy, and we're gonna go out here and shoot a bunch of threes that Marvin Bagley can't do, and yeah. we're gonna go and try to win games. And the King's office was just like, no. And I, I feel like there, that could definitely be something that they like battled back and forth the whole year around. And mm-hmm. I guess that makes sense if a coach is kind of just defying what, pe- what people think. But like, yeah, come on. I mean, it, that's yeah. That's the only really reasonable expl- expectation is like that. David Yeager was going for wins, and the front office didn't necessarily want that. You know, he they wanted more to just like let their young guys and just show do their thing and just show that they're that they made a good pick in Marvin Bagley. Yeah, and and to be honest, when Marvin Bagley's been out there, he has looked pretty good. He's been solid. I think he's improved a lot throughout the season. But at the same time, like he's averaging between fifteen and twenty minutes per game. I think. Yeah. Like, which is just not very much. Yeah, not what you compared want. to like guys like Luka Doncic and Trey Young, who are taken in the same range. Yeah. So, moving on to playoff predictions. We're pretty much just going to give you just our thoughts on the first round in general, say who we'll think will win the series, and maybe just a note or two about each Yeah, potential X factors that could swing and and potentially make the series more interesting or less interesting than we imagined. Or, you know, I guess just make an upset or something possible. And I guess sort of what are going to be the most important things for these teams to move forward to the next round 
Um, let's start off Western Conference. One seed versus eight seed. Warriors versus Clippers. Bring out the brooms. That's a sweep, kids. Yeah. I, I, I don't like I think the only thing that would be interesting is to see how if Lou Williams just suddenly goes off or how mm-hmm. Montrez Harrell will guard DeMarcus Cousins but just yeah you know, they, don't, they don't have an answer for Kevin Durant they, they, they just now that it's the rest of the NBA straight up but, they just don't have enough guys to guard the Warriors players. yeah like you, you put Pat Bev on Curry and like okay like that's that's a pretty he's Pat Bev is was just rated but in the Atlantic polls like one of the the better defenders in the league so like that's probably a, a not bad matchup. Okay, then you put somebody like Danilo Gallinari on Kevin Durant. I'm not sure you can say the same. Barbecue. Chicken. Who's gonna guard Demarcus Cousins? Like you said, Montrez Harrell. Like he's like really maybe, short, but he's small. You know, <laughs> yeah. he's he's tenacious, and he's one of the best. He might be the best big man off the bench in the league. But he's also like six eight. Yeah, he's yeah. just not. I, yeah, th- enough said about that. Yeah. So yeah. So I I got them in a sweep. Yeah. Same. Now, especially with no Tobias Harris. Um, all right, moving on. The two the two seed versus seven seed in the West. Nuggets versus Spurs. Now, this one's a, where it's a little bit more controversial. This um, is such a good series because both teams, in my opinion, kind of want this matchup. Because yeah. both teams kind of suffer when they're playing against a, a superstar. And uh, just like Kevin Durant or someone in the West or James Harden. Mm-hmm. Whereas they are both matching up against each other teams that have like yeah probably a top 15 20 player but not not a top 10 and i think that both teams will be it'll be a battle of pretty like beautiful basketball with a lot of passing i think so it's, like it, you know the the nuggets have been been so good this season as a regular season team but you also can't count out, count out the fact that they seem very pop is the best coach in the league and they also seem very like 2012 atlanta hawks ish 2015. No, yeah, 2014. I 2015. Think it was 20, yeah, 2015. Yeah. 2015. Where they Atlanta won Hawks-ish. like 60 games or something. Yeah. And, like, and they just get swept by LeBron James because they're yeah. built for the regular season. Or so, even one of those Raptors teams. Also, DeMar DeRozan kind of chokes in the playoffs. So. I don't think it's quite the same thing. The, quite, quite the same as the Hawks, though. I, I still have the Nuggets winning in six. Really? I, I, I'm so split. I would really, probably yeah. go Nuggets in seven. Okay. I maybe Spurs and seven. I I can't decide. I just don't. So so part of the problem with with Demar Derozan in the playoffs has been that his that he's sort of very ISO heavy, right? And if and that just doesn't. That's a great strategy for the regular season, but that's sort of like mid range only ISO kind of ball that Demar Derozan tends to play doesn't translate particularly well to the playoffs. Um, and actually, like I thought it would have been a little bit different. But the like advanced stats say that Demar Derozan's ISO like percentage, the possession, possessions where he's using the isolation, is actually up this season from last season. So while I don't think that it's, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I'm like ready to say like, okay, Demar Derozan's going to choke in the playoffs. I just don't think that the the regular season Demar Derozan translates perfectly well to playoffs Demar Derozan. I think if Gary Harris and Jamal Murray don't exceed expectations. Or at least like live up to them very very well. I think I could definitely see Spurs in seven, just because they have more experience yeah. and they have two star players where the Nuggets kind of only have one. Yeah, I I'm ready to say though that Jokic is the best player in the series. I would say so too, but I don't. And I, and I, I think also the think the impact that he makes is big, but I don't know if it's like scoring to where in the playoffs. Oh, if you need a bucket, we're just gonna throw it down to Jokic. But, and it's an automatic bucket. But. 
he, first of all, he does more than that because he's such a great playmaker. He doesn't need to just be scoring to create offense. But I also think that that's particularly against a team that doesn't have a very big athletic center, like a Steven Adams or something. That's also part of the reason that the Nuggets wanted to match up with the Spurs is like, well, Marcus Aldridge is probably going to be the guy guarding Nikola Jokic a lot, or maybe guys like Jakob Podol. But like, if those are the guys that are on Nikola Jokic, they're not particularly quick or athletic. Like, I don't think they're going to match up very well against him. So if he's the best player in the series and you've got an aging LaMarcus Aldridge guarding him, I like the I like that matchup for the Nuggets. And I think that he could have a big series. Okay. I say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on the fence. Okay, going I'm, gonna go on, on, I'm sticking with Nuggets in six. Okay. Going on to the next series. What is it? Trailblazers? Trailblazers okay, and Thunder. Say, yeah. Okay. Here's the deal. <laughs> Hopefully you have been watching or listening to this to know that I love the Trailblazers for some reason, just some arbitrary reason. But I, okay, I I can't I just can't justify in my head how the Trailblazers would win because CJ McCollum has kind of been not that good lately, and while I think Damian Lillard's totally going to go off and he's going to kill the Thunder, I think the Thunder just have too many weapons and too many good defenders to slow mm-hmm. Damian Lillard down. To where I'm just like, if they had Nurkic, I would easily go. I would easily go Blazers. I'll go Blazers in six. Really? Yeah. I, I'm not totally ready to say that. I, I think uh, Ines Cantor will get killed, man. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Um, but I, I'm going Thunder in seven. Um, I think that the I'm going Thunder in six. Thunder in six. Yeah. 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 I I think that I, it's it's Thunder in six or seven. I think, but um, I just. Like you said, the pick and roll offense. Like I don't know how Ennis. If you're relying on Ennis Cantor and Zach Collins to shut that down, that's that's yeah. not going to work. And also, this Blazers team. Well, I think they are built for the playoffs. I think if Damian Lillard is kind of just your the primary focus on defense, with like OKC is so many long defenders, like Terrence Ferguson, Jeremy Grant, to where I think you're going to have to rely on guys like Evan Turner to shoot threes, and that's never going to end well. Mm-hmm. Or Al Farouk Aminu, or guys of that kind of range to where that's just not going to end well and i just think i don't know i'm really i'm, I'm not happy about and I, this and i think that you're not going to put paul george on damian lillard because damian lillard's a little no, bit too quick that's it. they're going to put russell westbrook on him that's they're, what they've done this season yeah. if i was the coach i would definitely put paul george on damian lillard it's it's worth a try it's worth throwing at throwing them at it or throwing paul george at him just to like mix it up but i think that i think that sort of no matter what like damian lillard is good enough offensively that he's still going to create problems but I don't think that Damian Lillard by himself is enough to create enough of a problem to to beat this team. I think the the Thunder without or the Trailblazers without Yusuf, Yusuf Nurkic just aren't aren't a good enough team to beat the Thunder. Even though if Paul George if if MVP if Paul George was playing it the way that he was halfway through the season, and this and the Trailblazers had Nurkic, I would I would pick the Thunder. But the thing is, Nurkic is out, and Paul George has taken a little bit of a step back since his sort of shoulder injury sort of tweaked it or something and it's been sort of a nagging thing and he's still playing but he's just shooting a lot worse in the field he's been a lot less effective so, but i still gotta go thunder yeah th- but but that that's why i have it in seven not six yeah because of paul george thunder and six i'm sad yeah okay next matchup um finally probably the most interesting one on the western conference is rockets versus jazz I'm actually more intrigued by Nuggets Spurs, but I still think that this one's a good one. But personally, I I, I saw some people that were saying that 
it, it would go seven either way. I kind of okay, who do you who do you have? I have Rockets in seven. I I do think seven. it's I think it's going seven and it's going to be decided in that. I think it's going to be like five or six. <laughs> really, Rockets? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know. I I don't think the Jazz have the offense to do it like at all. Like Donovan Mitchell has been pretty good this year, but yeah, but like, like what? Like but who? Who, who not, else? But I don't think the Rockets the Rockets have like a fantastic defense. You know, like it's solid. Yeah. Yeah. But no, the Rockets they don't have like, that good of a defense. But and James Harden James Harden is much 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 improved. I think defensively this season. And Clint Capella is still one of the better yeah, defensive centers. We've been saying the, the same thing about the Rockets the whole year, and they finished as the four seed after starting like two and fifteen, something like that. Where like it's just they're on such a hot streak. I don't know how they're gonna anybody's gonna stop James Harden. Yeah, I'm like like someone's going to. I, like they're not gonna win the championship, but the Warriors are gonna do it. But um, <laughs> oh, did you see that uh, Patrick Beverly last night when the sh- teaching Jake yeah, Ryder? Where, yeah the Jazz were playing the Clippers, and at the end of the game or during halftime or something, Patrick Beverly was just teaching Jay Crowder how to guard James Harden but without I, fouling, and I kind of love that so I d- much. Shout out to Patrick Beverly it for that. So, it first was of so all. fun. But I do think that guys like Joe Ingles and Jay Crowder, like throwing them at them, and maybe even guys like Donovan Mitchell, just throwing a few different kind of defenders at Ricky James Rubio. Harden, at James Harden, and just seeing what works. Like My they've man. got enough of they've got enough versatile uh, defenders that I I like that and especially because you've hard, got bro. because you got Rudy Gobert behind it, you. It don't matter. It don't matter. It doesn't matter. I just think it doesn't matter if you can. Here's so the way to defend James Harden. I think he's going if, for forty. Of any way, if there's if Every there's night. any way to defend James Harden, it's you got to force him to your to his right hand, and just not let him get that step back going to his left side because that's his but that's his bread and butter. So you got to force him to his right hand. And he's not going to be able to get that step back going to his right hand if you're on his left side because he's shooting with his left. So if you're forcing him to his right side and basically just letting him walk into the lane on his right side and just taking away everything on the left, you then you're just re- relying solely on Rudy Gobert. And while Rudy Gobert is, if there's anybody in the league who can do that at the rim, is Rudy Gobert is like slowing down James Harden. My man, at the same time, like that's going to put him in foul James trouble. James Harden is going to go for forty points every night. It's, I just I, don't see I, how. I, I have don't so see, much faith. I don't. Know I don't why. see any. I don't see any situation in which you can completely shut down James Harden for four games with the four games that it would take to win a series, and that's what you have to do to beat this Rockets team. Yeah. Like, if if you just. If you can't shut down, if you can't at least like significantly slow down James Harden for four games, which is just I don't even like I don't even know if that's possible right now. Then it's going to be very 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 tough to win this series. I would say and I think it's going seven. I think it's going because I think that James Harden will have a couple off games, but not enough to make them win this. Rockets win in five or six, very decisive. Okay, yeah, I, I I still think Rockets in seven. I can see maybe six, but I I like this Jazz team enough, and I think that they're a, such a good defensive team that like. They've got to be one of the. They've got to have one of the best chances at slowing down James Harden. Other than like the Warriors, just because the Warriors have too much firepower. Okay, Bucks Pistons sweep next. Yeah, next. agreed. Especially because Blake Griffin might not even play to start the series. Yeah, he was sat out the last regular season game with like a swollen knee. It's so yeah, it's over. I I could see Blake Griffin just going off for one game, but even if Blake Griffin goes for like forty five, I don't know if this team will win. I don't know if the Pistons <sighs> will win just because the Bucks are really. Are like the really Bucks, good at playing basketball. I can I can see like if Blake Griffin was healthy, the Bucks may be losing one game with guys like Malcolm Brogdon sort of just out. But like, like it won't I, matter. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, okay. I don't think so. Next series, um, I got the Celtics in six over the Pacers. Four oh. or five seed. I, I skipped right to the four uh, or five seed. We'll go okay. to that. I yeah. just went in the wrong order. Okay, Celtics <laughs> four or five seed, four or five seed matchup. I got Celtics in six over the Pacers. I have Celtics in five. 
Okay, I think it'll be very light work just because the Pacers are not built for the playoffs without Victor Oladipo, mm-hmm. and you can't have Boyan Bogdanovich taking your big time shots, which is yeah. I kind can't of rely on him to be your leading scorer that's for so, playoff that's series. So funny. Yeah, I I just think the Celtics should should win this series in four to five, but the Celt I just think that like. That idea that the Celtics are all of a sudden just going to flip a switch to the playoffs? That's my theory. I don't totally believe. I totally buy it. I think that they will flip a switch. It's going to be great. I don't think it's going to happen game one of the playoffs. I think it might take a couple... It might take, it's gonna I might take, the, it might take the first round series <laughs> to get to flip that switch. That's, yeah. my, that's my idea. Yeah, like, and so like like the, they might start off a little bit flat-footed like and get there. Like the Cavs last year. Mm-hmm. But so... No, I don't. I don't... Yeah. So yeah, so give me, give me Celtics in six. Celtics uh, in five. I just think they're, they're too good. Okay. Next series. Um, let's go to Raptors versus Magic. Two seed versus seven seed. You're going in a weird order, my guy. I, I, I should have gone <laughs> okay. one, eight, two, seven. Okay. Four, Raptors, three, six, four, Magic, five. sweep. Raptors are sweeping the Magic. There's like the only Magic offense there really is is Nikola Vucevic and Marcus Fall is just gonna lock that yeah. boy up. He's gonna I, lock him up. Somewhere. I was gonna say that I had the I had the Raptors in five, but rec- remembering the fact that. Uh, Marcus Saul is an NBA veteran who is one of the better better post defenders in the league and former X, defensive player yeah, of the year. Ex defensive player of the year. I don't know how the I don't even know how the Magic are going to score. Yeah, how, like who else is going to put the yeah. ball in the basket? No one. <laughs> like the Robert, yeah. So are you also saying sweep? So I'm going to say sweep. We, so we're agreeing a lot on this. <laughs> so Bucks versus Pistons and Raptors versus Magic, we got sweep. Um, I think that sort of shows like I don't really how, I don't really like the narrative. The Eastern that, Conference is so top heavy that it's yeah just, yeah yeah the first round isn't really that significant. I don't I don't Conference. love the narrative that the, that the that the Western Conference is so much better than the Eastern Conference because I think that the gap is closed a little bit. But the I think the Western Conference is better like evenly distributed. The yeah. Eastern Conference is very very top heavy. Yeah, you look at like the best records in the league. They're like mostly in the East. Um, so then I the final first round series, 76ers versus Nets. I have 76ers in I want to say 5. Yeah, I'm going I'm going 5. Yeah, I had 5 as well. Really? Yeah. I I was thinking that Joel Embiid could miss the first game so that could push it to 6. Yes, that exact same thinking but as I have. I I think No, it just the talent's not there. I could see I could actually see No, I I'm, I'm going to say 6 cuz I think that D'Angelo Russell could just go off for one game and I think that um just Joel Embiid can miss a game mm-hmm. and Maybe just the 76ers, just their three three point shooters just don't have good games and they'll they could miss a game. Those are all just possible scenarios and things that could go wrong for 48 minutes. Yeah. If to where I'm going to say 76ers in six games, if Joel Embiid misses a game, this is going to six. This is going to six. If he doesn't, then it's going five. I think um, either way, it could go to six. Yeah, um, that, that's my prediction, is what I'm saying though. Um, yeah. but like I think that the the Nets or the the 76ers have a tendency to struggle against like very short point guard like short crafty quick point guards and that's kind of what D'Angelo Russell is because generally you put Ben Simmons on their point guard so Ben Simmons can lock up a tall point guard but he does he he's not the best at guarding sh- like small point guards and I think that so the the Nets all star D'Angelo Russell is a small point guard and I don't think that Ben Simmons is the best equipped to guard that um, so he could just go off and have a couple big games and I also think that. Kenny Atkinson is very creative on the defensive end, especially with the zones. And so if Kenny Atkinson throws a couple of zones at the, at the 76ers and forces them to hit hit big shots from beyond the arc, there's not that many guys on this roster that are super consistent at doing that, especially after the trades for uh, Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris. All right. So we really just summed up the first round. We're not going to have this whole bracket because odds are we're going to be wrong about some stuff. 
to where like those matchups might not really matter. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that's all for today. Yeah, that's it. Okay, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Space to the Floor NBA Podcast. We hope you enjoyed. If you're listening on YouTube, leave a like and subscribe. And if you're listening on iTunes, uh, just subscribe there too and leave a rating. That'd be cool. If you're listening on YouTube, uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Links are down below. And thank you so much. Uh, my name is Connor Gielen. And I'm Connor Flannery. And see you next time. Peace.